Hello, and thank you for joining us on The Business Advantage. I am Alicia M. Pennington, your host and owner of Advantage Athletic Training. Today, we're going to be discussing personal finances. I would be remiss if I did a podcast about business and I did not discuss budgeting and finances. This is not going to be about how to order supplies within your athletic training budget, and in some ways is a bit of a departure from what we've discussed as business topics in athletic training. Instead, we're going to be talking about your personal finances. Scary, I know, but it needs to be discussed, and I wouldn't be a responsible leader if I didn't encourage you to think about topics that scare you. But I also know that money is a matter of the heart. And for some of us, it is too difficult to think or hear about it. Please know that I'm not here to make anyone feel uncomfortable. I would just like to provide some resources and hope that they allow you to become a better professional. You remember how I told you that I'm a self-help junkie? Well, one of my favorite topics is money, wealth management, asset allocation, etc. I've read all of Robert Kiyosaki's books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad being the most notable of them. And now I'm on to Tony Robbins's Money Master the Mind. By no means am I an expert, but I am passionate about people being aware and well-informed of financial decisions that impact their lives. I know that we can live more fulfilled and joyous lives if we have control over our finances. So while this topic isn't as directly correlated to you professionally, sometimes we have to step outside of the lines to look what may be impacting us indirectly. I am certain that knowing how to take control of your finances will make you a better professional. Key learning objectives. Understand the importance of personal finances in the growth of your professional career. Recognize various components that can be improved upon within your personal finances. Find inspiration and further education on the topic with outside authors who have mastered the concept. For me to do a podcast on personal finances is a massive undertaking. To then find a way to channel all that information back to athletic training, making it applicable and relatable to you, the listener, is next to impossible. I will point out what I feel is important, but like everything else we talk about here, it's going to be on you to take action on any of these points and to further educate yourself about something that inspires you by listening today. With that said, personal finance is defined on Wikipedia as the financial management which an individual or family unit performs to budget save, and spend monetary resources over time, taking into account various financial risks and future life events. Nothing groundbreaking here. You know, we've opened the first door of personal finance and a big monster hasn't jumped out at us yet. The definition is straightforward. Personal finance is about how we manage our money and resources. What comes to mind for you when I say that? Are you thinking of checking and savings accounts? Maybe buying a house? Saving for retirement? Getting a job that will pay the bills? Whatever this is for you in your stage of life, think about it. You're going to need to be able to extract that when we start breaking down the components of this topic. Like with anything else in our lives, the healthier our finances are and the healthier our relationship is with finances, 
the better off we are going to be as individuals. As I've mentioned, money is a matter of the heart. So if you become emotional or angered speaking about finances, it's likely a reflection of your relationship with money. Again, I'm not here to offend anyone, but professionally, we can only achieve as much as we are personally secure with. This topic may have more correlational than causational effect on our profession or what it may do for you professionally, but there's no denying that your career and our profession will benefit from you understanding what you may be leaving on the table in a negotiation, the power of how a few contract positions may help you achieve some financial goals, and also the retention in athletic training as a result of this. My hopes are that by revealing the power we have over our finances, you are able to create freedoms in your life you may not have previously experienced, especially for work purposes. I feel that if I'm able to help you learn about personal finances, you'll be happier and a more satisfied professional. What more positivity could be said about athletic trainers than if we are happy and satisfied? I understand this is a gross overgeneralization, but there's far more that plays a role in how satisfied we are in our careers than just money. But as I've already said, money is a matter of the heart. And if we feel like we can live a more comfortable life with what we have, I'm optimistic about what we may do for all of us professionally. Let's start by discussing what makes a quote, good job, since that's where majority of everybody's income will be coming from. There are two primary types of workers, an employee and an independent contractor. Both options have various levels of income available to them. One, you are employed by someone else, and as an independent contractor, you are employed by yourself. You can listen to episode number five of this season for more information about the differences, and you can also listen to taxes from our last season to get more information. Regardless of which type of worker you are, keep in mind that picking up a few contracts on the side and having more write-offs for those gigs may help lower your tax liability, thereby putting more money in your pocket. Aside from the type of worker you are, what are the other types of perks that come with a job that could have an impact on your personal finances? One, salary is the primary one that we all think of. We've discussed on our negotiation podcast about how to ask for more and present the data necessary to do such. But something worth mentioning here is that if you leave money on the table, this could have a major effect on your personal finances. Let's say you have a $40,000 a year job and your employer is offering you a 2% raise for the upcoming year. That's an additional $800. But let's say you asked for just another 1%, so $400. Some of you may scoff, it's only $400. But what could that get you? A set of tires? a round-trip flight, an extra car payment, or any number of things. These might be very small, but could make a difference for you if you suddenly found yourself in a need of a new set of tires or wanting to book a round-trip flight for your summer vacation. Leaving money on the table could have a longer-term impact on your way of life or savings. Also consider that if you ask for an additional 1% this year, Next year, when your raise comes along and you just get the standard 2%, that's now an additional 2% on the already 1% that you got. 
This is an example of how you leave money on the table potentially year after year if you're not negotiating for what you feel is fair and just. Aside from increased salary, there are other expenses such as continuing education costs, an ATA membership, or liability insurance. Just alone, those that I just mentioned could be about $1,000 in out-of-pocket costs that you should try to negotiate for your employer to pay. If you're an independent contractor, those are costs that you can write off. Again, seemingly small items, but those who have them paid for would get an additional $1,000 in your pocket, especially because those are costs that you have to pay after your paycheck has already been taxed. Again, this is $1,000 towards a vacation or into your retirement account. And then, as we will discuss, the compounding interest on that could end up being a great deal of money over time. Another major expense to consider is health benefits. It's widely understood that great jobs offer health insurance, and the reason for that is because this is something that could substantially change your financial freedom and also the security you have in your health needs. The cost is going to vary significantly based on your status, single, married, children, etc. But to have someone else, your employer, help share that cost with you is helpful. Whether your employer is helping share the cost or you're an independent contractor riding off the full rate, minimizing the price is imperative. Be sure to shop around and find out about potential cost savings, such as yearly health exams, and minimize additional spending. Again, if you're an independent contractor, you can write off the cost of this and also consider all federal subsidies that can be utilized to help offset your out-of-pocket costs. There are a number of other spendings you could have your employer pick up the cost on, such as a cell phone, laptop, mileage, meals, or various other options. All of those are write-offs for the self-employed, but you may be able to negotiate it from an employer as well. Another opportunity you definitely want to take advantage of is anything employer-sponsored that gives you a pre-tax benefit. What this means is that money is taken out of your paycheck before it gets taxed. This includes 401ks, health savings plans, flexible spending accounts, 529s, and various other opportunities. Whatever you can do to lower your tax liability at the end of the year will mean that you owe Uncle Sam less money. It's especially important to take advantage of these accounts if your employer is offering any kind of matching. This is free money and you can't afford to not take advantage of it. Be sure that you're contributing the minimum required to get your contribution matched as this doubles your investment. Sometimes we feel like we can't afford to have three, six, or even 10% less in our paycheck. But I'm here to tell you, you can't afford not to. You have to prioritize this. Also, remember that whatever you sign up for to be removed from your paycheck isn't the same as having that percentage after tax. For example, let's say your paycheck is $1,000. If you sign up for a 10% 401k distribution, that means $100 is going to be taken out of your check, meaning that you will then only be taxed on $900. 
Whereas when it comes out post-tax, that means that your check is being taxed at $1,000 and then you would have to contribute 10% of whatever is left. So not only are you contributing 10% on a higher amount, but you're also doing that pre-tax, meaning that at the end of the year when you file your taxes, Uncle Sam will see that you made $900, not $1,000. Very, very important. If this is something that you're not doing already, please press pause right now and write a note to yourself or set a reminder to go speak with your HR representative or do some personal research on how you can take advantage of these tax havens and matching opportunities. If you're an independent contractor, there are other opportunities available to you as well, including a solo 401k or an IRA. Do some research, figure out what would be best for you and start taking advantage of it early in the year so that you have the maximum benefit by the end of December. The potential freedoms we leave on the table by not negotiating for ourselves could have a much larger impact than we actually know. Small amounts add up especially when considering compound interest and how a little bit ends up being a lot of it. When we are first starting to save, it's hard to see the payoff. All we can think about is how much more we could be buying right now with those thousands of dollars that are sitting in our retirement account. But trust me, you're going to thank yourself in 10 years when you look in that account and see how much it has grown by just continuing to add to it monthly. The next topic we need to discuss is debt. Regardless of how much money you make, fighting against debt will keep you treading water instead of getting ahead. I understand that we all are required to take on debt in our lives for various reasons. My recommendation is to limit those occurrences, minimize the interest rate you take on the debt at, and get it paid off as quickly as possible. Whether you have a mountain to climb or a small hill to get over, you need to prioritize getting it consolidated, focusing on paying down the highest interest ones, and reduce how much further debt you take on. Some examples of this may be getting all of your credit card debt consolidated to one and seeing if your lender will accept a lower lump sum or decrease the interest rate. And then, of course, don't take on further credit card debt while you're working to pay off what you already have. This might include driving your played off clunker of a car for a bit longer while you work to get your credit card or student debt down before getting a new car, or foregoing extravagant vacations on your credit card in favor of paying down your car. Whatever it is for you, Take a serious look at how much more money you could have in your pocket each month if you paid off your debts. That dollar amount should be incentive enough. Another opportunity here would be to pick up a few contract gigs throughout the year and specifically allocate those monies towards your debt. It's probably money you hadn't otherwise accounted for, and when you overpay a balance, it usually comes off the principal, not just the interest. 
But even if it does pay towards the interest, this is something you would have had to pay anyways. So picking up a few extra gigs, and usually when you're an independent contractor, this is going to be the full amount of what you were promised without taxes taken out. So be sure to optimize your write-offs on those monies so that you don't later owe taxes on them. This is basically free money that you can use to pay down your debt. Our credit score is something else that's affected by the amount of debt that we take on. It's a very sensitive number that reacts to just about every financial decision we make, good or bad. Recognize though, that the higher the number, the less money you will spend on attempting to acquire things. If you've got a great credit score, you will always be offered lower interest rates when you need to borrow money. If you can prioritize eliminating debt over a few years, seeing your credit score rise with each payoff, and then wait to lease or buy a new car or a house or whatever it is that you need to borrow money for, this can benefit you by getting a much lower interest rate and would literally save you thousands of dollars over the life of that loan. Separate your spending between needs and wants. This is the difference between gas in the car or the latte at Starbucks. I know we've all heard how much eating out can add up, but seriously, take inventory if you are a habitual drive-through attendee. I imagine you could rack up 40 bucks a week easily, which is $160 a month in just eating out. It's hard for us to see a big number when it's just small chunks, but really, it truly does add up. Think about what you'd rather spend $160 a month on and use that as a discipline to keep you away from the drive through window. Living within our means is something that I've noticed that Americans struggle with. We are a material-driven society and often feel the need to purchase items to show our value. Be assured in what you give instead of what you take. Giving gifts of time or a listening ear can be far more valuable than any present that you could purchase at a store. I think we all fall into the trap of needing to spend money, especially in how it makes us feel good or to show our love. But know that there are ways to accomplish this with very little impact on your wallet. Try volunteering instead and see how you feel about that kind of giving instead of with money. I imagine you will experience a sense of joy, not only by keeping the extra few bucks in your wallet, but by also recognizing that you have more to offer than just money. You have a special gift that is far more valuable than any dollar amount. Try tapping into that the next time that you feel like you want to give a gift, but maybe you're strapped for cash. Once we've identified how to ask for more from our employer and how to pay down our debt, we need to set up healthy habits moving forward. Some of these habits include living on a budget, identifying your goals, and working towards financial freedom. There are a number of books and articles and websites that can help you do this. All I'm going to tell you is that because money is a matter of the heart, you will have more solace in your day-to-day if you can live without financial stressors. Some examples of healthy financial habits include writing down goals that you'd like to work towards, and set up a budget to achieve these. 
One of the reasons I enjoy reading Tony Robbins is because he encourages you to dream big. It's not just about looking at all the things you can't do or writing how writing down how to pay off your car, but also how to take the cool vacation or supercharge your retirement fund so that you can get there quicker or whatever this is for you. If you want, take a moment now and dream about what you could achieve if you had financial freedom. What does this look like for you? Is it living without a mortgage? Is it driving your dream car? Is it flying private? Is it being able to go to Disneyland every year? I'm not sure. It looks different for all of us. But whatever that dream is, write it down and set a plan for yourself to help get there. One way to start actively achieving these goals is to set up automatic transfers whenever you get paid. Be sure that you set up a budget, you're paying off all the bills, and then you're spending money after, as opposed to the opposite, which is spending and then trying to see what you have left for bills and savings. Setting up automatic transfers helps to move the money before you even see it. That way, you're not enticed to spend it. It's going to take discipline if this is not something you already do, but being emotionally stable in your finances is going to make you a healthier person. Make sure you've put money away for a rainy day. This should be between three to six months of living expenses, which will likely be several, if not tens of thousands of dollars. Add up the total cost of what it takes for you to live monthly. This includes rent or mortgage, your car payment, credit card payments, utilities, other bills, etc. And multiply that number by three. That number is what you should start saving towards. Then gradually grow that to six months. I know it will be enticing to use this money to go on a vacation, but this money needs to be liquid and available in case of an emergency. What that means is that you're not taking from this money, but you're also not locking it away. If you're like me, you have the itch to want to do something with that money instead of just letting it sit there. Technically, when money sits in a savings account, because it bears so little interest, you actually lose money on it from year to year because of inflation. What that means is if inflation from year to year is 1% to 2%, well, most savings accounts get a fraction of 1% interest on the money. So you're not actually losing money, but technically the money the next year isn't as valuable as it was the year before. And so for those reasons, I always want to try to invest the money to make it work for me and get a little bit out of it. But you shouldn't do that with this money into an account that isn't readily accessible. An example of this is you can't put it in a certificate of deposit. Usually, you have to lock up that money for anywhere between 1, 5, 10 years, and so you can't access it in case of an emergency. An alternative option might be a money market account. This is like a savings account, but it fluctuates with the market. Do some research, make sure you understand what it is before you put your money anywhere. But again, make sure that your emergency fund is one, not something that you're going to for planning a vacation, 
but two, that you're also not locking away and not able to access. You want to be able to, in the event you get injured or incredibly sick, maybe something happens to your car or you get laid off from work or a family member needs help, you should be able to access this money whenever, but it should mostly be hands off. Investing can seem scary, and maybe I even scared some of you by what I just talked about with CDs and money market accounts, but this isn't something that just other people do. If you look at any research about compounding interest, you will know that investing has more upside than downside. There are ways to protect your principal investment and limit potential losses while taking advantage of returns. Maybe you lost money in 2008 when the market took a crash, or maybe a loved one of yours had this experience. And I'm incredibly sorry if that is what your experience is with investing, but I'm here to tell you that There absolutely are ways to protect yourself while not just stuffing money under your mattress. Like I've just said, sticking it under the mattress, keeping it in the savings account, you're technically losing money on this because of inflation. So listen to the recommendations I'm going to give next about these authors and try to educate yourself about how to make the best decisions for where you're at financially and where you want to get to. Educate and empower yourself to make smart decisions and take control of your finances. As with any kind of self-help advice, there's plenty to be had when it comes to managing your personal finances. And I can only speak to the ones I have experience with. So if I don't mention it here, it's not because it isn't great. It's just that I don't have experience with it. I'm only going to give my recommendations on those authors who I have read and implemented and seen changes with. Robert Kiyosaki is the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And if you haven't read this book, I would highly encourage you to do so. I read this in college and it jump-started the actions I took in how I managed my money. He has a follow-up book called Cashflow Quadrant, which If you read that, you will understand in large part why I encourage so many people to be self-employed as independent contractors. I understand it's not a good fit for everyone, but the power that you have over your finances is incredible. Robert speaks in easy to understand terms and presents general ideas on how to get ahead. It's an easy and quick read that will likely inspire lots of action or affirmation of what you may already be doing. Tony Robbins is my current favorite. I was skeptical of him for a long time, but I recently watched his documentary, I Am Not Your Guru, and ever since, I've been hooked. Listening to his podcast and now reading his book, Money Master the Mind, he's incredible. I really appreciate his approach of the more you give, the more you receive. I'm an altruistic person, So having an author express the importance of giving back is important in my understanding of concepts. Tony strongly advocates for allocating a percentage of your income towards a cause or something beyond yourself, stating, if you can't give 10 cents of a dollar, you won't give 1 million of 10 million. I believe strongly in this principle. 
So his writings really resonate with me. In his book, he sits down with 50 of the most prolific financial advisors in the world, waters down their advice, and makes it applicable to the everyday person. It's a 600 plus page book, so it's not for the faint of heart. But if you're really into this kind of stuff, you'll totally dig it. And I actually just found out that he came out with a new book called Unshakable, Your Financial Freedom Playbook. From what I understand, this is about a 200-page book that highlights all the important points from Money Master the Mind. I'd recommend that one to get started instead. I also really like Farnoosh Tarabi. She does a podcast called So Money. I would recommend starting with her So Money Top Hits to see if it's a podcast that you enjoy listening to. She talks about all things that get you to the money without actually talking about the money. Things like philanthropy or finding your passion. It's a great podcast that I find motivation and inspiration from. Dave Ramsey is another very popular author on this topic. I know several people who have gone through his Financial Peace University course and had great success. I think he does a great job of giving you tools to be successful, which is what many of us need. Jeremy Jackson of the Sports Medicine Broadcast did a podcast episode on this, so you can listen to that episode more to get information and pointers. Regardless of what action you decide to take or which author you choose to read, I encourage you to do something. Here are some steps that you could take today. Download the Credit Karma app on your phone and take a look at your credit score. Educate yourself about what is positively and negatively impacting your score. Write down two things that you could do to increase your credit score based on the negative impacts Credit Karma says are affecting it. Take inventory of your finances. Make a T-chart writing down all of your incomes on one side and your expenses on the other. Only needs, not wants. If your expenses are outweighing your incomes, determine how to consolidate them. If your income is larger than your expenses, then decide how you want to prioritize your expenses and see if you could potentially pay some off early or instead where you'd like to start allocating some of your additional income for savings and make that money work for you. Daydream, writing down all your greatest goals and aspirations. Do you want to buy a house? Maybe pay off your house, get rid of student debt, take yearly vacations, fly in a private jet. Whatever it is, write it down and price it out. Go back to your T-chart and see where you can fit it in. If your expenses are currently overtaking your income, this dream list should be incentive to get those debts paid down. Take a moment as I am talking to just breathe. Talking about finances is hard and maybe something that you didn't want to spend this time doing, but you're now better because of it. I am hopeful that you feel excited and invigorated about how to take control of this, not burdened with how much that there is to do. Give yourself some grace, 
recognize that this doesn't happen overnight. Allow time and patience to achieve what it is that you want. Getting your personal affairs in order, finances included, makes you a better professional. Not only will it make you more emotionally stable at work, but you will be able to make decisions for your career that may not have been otherwise available if you didn't get your finances in a good place. We'd all like to retire early, take an extra vacation, work part-time, spend more time with our kids or doing a hobby. So what are you going to do today to make that a reality? Thank you for joining us. You can now go to theadvantage.com slash CEU to take the quiz and claim your free continuing education unit for listening. On the next episode, we will be discussing organization. Thank you to Mr. Logistics for the music you've heard throughout. 